This episode is for every mom who is trying to figure out college applications. And here's here's the truth. If you're like, oh, my kids aren't old enough yet, uh-oh, they actually might be closer than you even are realizing to be thinking about these things. So today my guest is Neha Gupta, and we are talking about two elements of this. First of all, she her whole company is built around helping kids get into the college of their dreams. So of course, we're going to talk to her about like, what should we be thinking about as parents for the application process? But second, she also is one of those overly high achieving women. And so we're also going to have a conversation about how do we balance this? You know, she's worked with hundreds, thousands of teenagers at this point. How do we help them to get to enjoy the process, enjoy high school? How do we do it ourselves? Enjoy all of these different processes, enjoy the journey. So that's this episode of the Balancing Busy podcast. Okay, so Neha Gupta is the founder of College Shortcuts, Dream Life Foundation, Dream School TV, and she happens to have incredible experience as an entrepreneur with Goldman Sachs and coach. So Neha is a three-time best-selling author, TEDx speaker, keynote speaker, seven-figure business owner, and serial entrepreneur. And where she is so passionate is in helping kids navigate college admissions. So let's jump in to this interview and let's talk all things enjoying the journey and maybe even getting into your dream college, or at least getting your kids into theirs. Welcome to the Balancing Busy Podcast, where I help time-starved business owners cut their hours without losing income, dropping the ball with clients, or hurting the customer experience. I'm your host, Leah Ramalay. Since 2009, I've built six and seven-figure income streams while working part-time hours. This is possible and you are capable, so let's jump in. Neha, it is so amazing to have you on Balancing Busy Podcast. Thank you for being on the podcast with me. I'm so glad to be here. Okay, so you are just an absolute wealth of knowledge, and I cannot wait to pick your brain. But I want to start by talking about this achiever complex that um, a lot of us get stuck in, our kids get stuck in, even we get stuck in for our kids. And so you have your TEDx and we're going to link that in to the show notes. But in your TEDx, you say the achiever is applauded even when you sacrifice your health, your relationships, happiness, mental health, like all these things. And, And I so deeply agree with this and have a deep problem with it. And so um, can you just kind of tell us about you coming to this reality and, and how you how you deal with it? I think um, I think one of the challenges around it is the level of Im- ambition and motivation you can have as a person and um, you know, kind of not hampering it, but also like, I would say like balancing it or managing it. And I think what happened in my case was at a very young age, I would be so focused on the outcome and the like the end goal all the time. And the big thing that I preach about now is that actually the best part of the whole thing is the journey. It's the process. It's the experience that you learn as you're getting to the end of it. 
Um, and I think it's a mindset shift that a lot of us have to take in a world where we're so outcome driven. Um, and I see it all the time. You know, I see, um, I see it when I talk with parents, I see it when I talk with students, I see it when I talk with my girlfriends, you know, there's this whole view of like wanting to do everything all at once. Um, but what I've learned over the years is that there's also a lot of power in doing nothing. Um, and also just chilling out. Uh, it actually, in a way, can fuel uh, your ambition even more because you're able to actually sit back and think. So I think my journey started off uh, you know, pretty painful, which is where I think most entrepreneurs start their businesses out of the pain they experienced. So for me, College Shortcuts was built out of the stress and anxiety of high school, middle school, never fitting in, um, trying to prove yourself all the time, and then also really being confused, trying to navigate an admissions process that, uh, frankly, can eat you up uh, in the process in the last year of high school with parents' stress and, and trying to learn as they're trying to lead, which is very challenging. So, you know, from my perspective, I've taken a lot of the skills that I've learned around time management, organization, planning, uh, process, systems, um, to really be able to achieve a lot more, but doing it in a way that's in alignment. So I'd say that's, that's a big part of, I think, achievement is if we're just doing it, and I said this yesterday in a speech with students, if you're just doing it to stuff the resume, you're, it's not really worth your time. If you're doing something because like you have to check in with yourself and say, oh, this is what I really want, and this is what I'm excited about, then yes, that's a what I call like a hell yes. Like, let's go ahead and move forward with that. So I really do believe in doing things that are within your alignment of what feels right for you. And then to me, when you're doing that, it doesn't feel as much as like work or mm. have to or obligation, which yes. I think achievement can be uh, a lot of that. Yes, and I we are gonna circle back to this because we can hear this but I know, I know there are people saying, okay, yeah, but you don't understand. I have to do all these things. And I know for a fact, I can look in my own house and say, there are teenagers who you can try to say this to. And they're like, but you don't understand. I have to pad all of these things. I have to give myself every single advantage. So before we go to that direction, I think one thing that is very clear about you and I, um, and that I just, I just love about you, um, is that we want to love what we do. We want to feel like we're making a difference. And we also want to have the space to enjoy it, to take care of ourselves, to pour into our most meaningful relationships. Like we want it all. We don't, we don't want to choose. We want to be able to feel like we have all those things. And I think that pretty much sums up what really any parent wants for their kids as well, right? So I wanted to ask you, because I loved how you talked about we need to understand this, how do you define success? Mm. I define success as I'm at a point now in my career where I only do things I want to do. And I can't say that I was like that early on. So to me, success really is not about the number for a while it was. And then I hit those goals and I was like, okay, is that it? You know? Um, so for me, it's really about, am I enjoying what I'm doing when I'm doing it? That mm. to me is success. Um, success also looks like the ability to go play tennis 
for an hour or two with my girlfriends and have lunch and feel like a lady who lunches, <laughs> you know, that <laughs> yes. feels like success to be able yeah, to say, Hey, yeah. I can do that in my morning. Um, success to me looks like watching all my students building these really cool projects and like the type of work I get to do. I still can't believe I do it. Um, and you know, I'd say those are kind of my main things is that like, as long as I feel, you know, solid in a lot of the different areas of my life, I think that's really what success is. And that's not what it was before. I mean, it, it was a completely warped view of what success was. Um, but once I achieved those milestones, I realized like, was I doing that for me or was I doing that for everybody else? So mm, my version yes. of success now is about me feeling joy and what I'm doing. And it, it really, it's no business of anybody else what that picture is, but it took me a long time to get to that point of not being concerned what everyone else thinks. Yes. Okay. So I want to get into that warped version of what success is. And I want to talk about it in correlation with our kids with our, our middle schoolers, junior hires, and high schoolers. Um, I was looking at some stats recently that 75% of high school students admit that they are feeling stressed over academics all the time. 70% uh, of teens say that they see anxiety and depression as a major problem and actually the major problem. Like it was number one ranked over bullying, drug addiction, alcohol, poverty. I mean, this this was the problem. It is academic stress, it is anxiety, it is depression, it's all these feelings. And I look at that, and then I look at how we balance this push that they are taught all the time that you've gotta be working so hard for the next thing. It's always for the next thing, right? In elementary, it's you got to start getting ready for middle school or junior high and what classes you're going to be taking. Then from there, it becomes you've got to be taking higher up classes so that you can get into the higher up classes for high school. In high school, it becomes you need to be taking AP and honors and you better be the captain of the team and volunteering in the rainforest and saving whales and part of your community all to stack that college application. And then it doesn't even stop when you get to college if you have any goals of even higher education because now you got to make college as great as possible so you get into the master's or the doctorate or it just doesn't stop it doesn't stop and this warped sense of what success is is constantly for these kids it's getting that next grade on the test that next grade in the class accepted into that next program or college or whatever it is what do you say i mean you your whole company is built around helping these kids get into the college of their dreams. And I'm in the process of, you know, helping my kids get into the college of their dreams. And I want this for them, but I also want them to actually enjoy their high school right. experience and maybe avoid some of that stress and anxiety and pressure. So, I mean, you've worked with hundreds, thousands of teens at this point. What, what do you say to us as parents on how we navigate this? So I think it's very easy to get into the rat race of it. Like, even as you were speaking, I was feeling anxiety. <laughs> no, <laughs> right? You're like, not what <gasps> I feel about the system, but maybe it's because I have figured out what I would call kind of the shortcut around that. Okay. And I think my viewpoint around it for parents specifically is 
I think sometimes parents can like amp each other up where mm. they're like, I don't know what's happening, but maybe they're at like a PTA meeting or a dinner and they're like, my kid's doing violin and saving the whales. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then you're like taking notes. You're like, oh, okay. You know, so I don't know if that's what's really causing that, like, you know, what am I doing? What are you doing type of thing? Um, but what I've told parents is actually that's a horrible strategy of doing anything similar, remotely similar, because someone else is doing it. First, it could create misalignment because your kid doesn't want to do it. And second, you don't want to look anything like the kids around you in terms of your applications. So don't all do the same things. Um, so I think that's number one. Like one of the issues can be that kind of like push on that side from parents thinking they have to do things because other kids are doing things. Um, I'm not going to like be blind to the fact there's a rat race. I know because I was in it. Um, but one of the things that I decided when I was building college shortcuts was how do I literally zero out the stress and anxiety of our students? And it's actually something I've achieved in the work that I do with my kids. Um, so one of the big things I think that happens is if you don't, like for example, if most parents have no problem investing in an athletic coach, private lessons for the sport, blah, blah, blah. And you know, that coach has a lot of an effect around direction, strategy, um, reducing that stress and anxiety, that inner voice, building the mindset, resilience. And so when I work with students as their mentorship coach through their high school process in a way like a life coach, helping them to figure out what are they passionate about? What are they interested in? We're actually building strategies together, co-creating student and I um, in figuring out what they want to do. Um, so, for example, in my group mentorship program, our students are doing projects with top universities and they're doing it in a group setting. So they get to learn from each other. Um, they learn collaboration instead of competitiveness. They enjoy the topic they're focusing in on that they're learning about, and they're able to um, really learn uh, in a way that's very much more stress-free. So yes, you could say, oh, wow, like your kids are producing a 25-page research paper. Like that's so intense. But when you split it among five to six students over an eight-month period, it's not actually that much. That's a few pages, not even like one page a month um, for students to be working on when it's split in a group. Um, in our case, students are always like, what else can we do? I like what I'm doing here. We have some students that, you know, when we talk about what classes to take, we talk about like, hey, where do you enjoy more? And, you know, some of these APs are a little harder. Maybe you don't need to take, you know, AP US history or some of the more intense ones if that's not really the field you want to go into. So to me, it really is about, you know, strategy. And I think I can also compare it to something I think a lot of us can relate to, which is like, for example, like when I try to lose weight, right? Like you can spend hundreds of hours at the gym, but then eat like six burgers and it doesn't matter. That's not an effective strategy. Um, you can, you know, it could be that your cortisol levels are so high that you actually need to get massages and just walk outside. You maybe you don't need that hard workout that you think is the strategy to lose weight. So it's the same thing as I look at it from the high school perspective. You can think the strategy is pad the resume. I have to do a sport, do a this, do that. And it's actually inaccurate. Um, from the admissions perspective, what they're looking for is a very specific angle. So 
um, it's not about quantity, it's about quality and longevity of that activity. They'd rather see that you've done four or five things really well over the last four years than 25 things. It's actually, actually it's considered, uh, they look at it, they're like, oh, this kid is, it's kind of unrealistic. It doesn't look real. So from our perspective, it is about, you know, helping the student to figure out what are those four or five things. And then in the summer, like there are so many cool summer camps that I'm working with students on applying for getting in. Part of me is like, can I come to your summer camp? Like we have some kids that end up at the New York Times doing a journalism summer for six weeks. I mean, can you imagine as an adult getting six weeks in New York City, like experiencing what that's like for the first time under New York Times for journalism? Like, so we really want to curate their experiences. I really look at high school, like you were saying, it's an experience. So how do we ensure that the experiencing they have is aligned to what they really want to do? So I'm all about, again, alignment, doing a few things that have a lot more bang for your buck. Um, and in my group mentorship, I made sure, I was like, let me partner with top universities so that students can put that on their resume. Yes, does it help to have a research paper? Does it help to have, if you start a company, to have it linked with a top university? Yes, it does help. So I figured out ways to do it, but to again, I'm such a planner, I break everything down into tiny pieces. So. I think the rat race is there if you are not following like what the child is wanting to do. And if the child is unsure, that's when you need a coach. Because if you are the coach, as, as we've seen in movies and, and even with athletes, I compare to athletic uh, sports all the time, is that if the parent is the coach, there's going to be some bumps in the road on how to push your child. Mm. Um, because there's going to be a point where your child says, like, am I doing this for you? You know, and I was that kid, which is why I was like, how do I make parent relationships better? Um, because my parents were trying to do everything on their own, trying to be everything. Mm -hmm. uh, what they don't realize is that teenagers, they just don't want to listen to you. I mean, that's just if we know that's the reality of what it is, let's not fight up against it. Let's find the right team. It takes a village to raise children today um, and making sure they have the right mentors around them. Mm, I so agree with you. I think creating mentorships for our, our teenagers. That's not something I ever experienced for myself personally. And I can look back and see just how valuable that would have been to have some adults in my corner that I could bounce things off of and check in with and, and could support me instead of only my peers, which let's be honest, was not always the best advice to be, you know, taking. And for our kids, we have taken that different approach of having mentors um, just having other adults in their life that are really powerful. We've also hired, uh, you know, like a life coach for one of our kids spe that specifically specialized in high achieving teens who could give tools for, you know, those things. And, and I love this idea of getting help within the college application process because it is daunting and intimidating and, and you want it to be a process that does not create contention and strain with with your relationship with your child. So when should we start thinking about the college application process? So it's an interesting question. Um, so it really depends on the parent. Everybody's hoping you're about to say like a month after wherever they are right now. They're like, please don't say I'm already late. <laughs> so that's the thing. So every family is different. I have some families where you know, like they start with mentorship with us as early as seventh grade because they have a seventh wow. grade and they're like, hey, Neha, like, 
We want you to start teaching our student, like our child, like soft skills and confidence. And, you know, right now I'm building a, a really cool business uh, with the seventh grader on like skateboards and we're learning how to prototype and we're learning how to, and she's just, she's like seventh grade going on like 12th grade. She's just a really cool kid. But then her younger brother who's in fourth grade was like, Hey, like mom and dad don't have time to like manage my bath bomb business. Like can Neha help me with my project? And so we're like creating these really fun projects and Hey, he may not become like a millionaire selling bath bombs, but did he learn inventory management? Did he learn customer service, how to sell um, his passion, right? Like younger kids actually have way more time than teenagers. I agree with that. I created yeah. a course years ago. Um, it's pretty hard to find at this point, but it is still out there called the CEO kid. We took yeah. a year, traveled the world and uh, I knew I was going to have to homeschool for that year, right? I'm like, okay, well, they're going out of school. And so, you know, as I'm thinking about their homeschool curriculum and everything we're going to do, I'm like, okay, the number one thing I know I can teach them is business. And so I created a curriculum for them. And then I'm like, this is so much fun. They've loved this. Why don't I make this available to others? And it, it has been so much fun seeing all of these just ideas where it's so safe to fail right? It's so, and failing is truly forward motion because Absolutely. they are learning such incredible lessons. Okay. So yeah. And my, so, and my first business was in middle school. And then in high school, I sold like reading cards from like the art. Like this is a piece of art that I've created now as an adult, but like I made all these paintings. And so I wanted to create a greeting card company and my mom was a CEO. So she was like, how many cards do you need to sell to achieve yes. what we're, the way we're living? And I was like, I don't know. And then we had a really deep conversation around like financial intelligence. Um, and I still remember that conversation and I'm way older now. So to me, I think that you can start early around these conversations around the college application process. I think the way to look at it is really the gas turns on in ninth grade. So that's mm -hmm. where figuring out what you're doing starting August of ninth grade, what activities you want to be part of, what is going to be your angle. Um, how do you want to start building that passion uh, over the next, what I call three years, okay. because 12th grade is when applications open on August 1st. Mm -hmm. um, so right now, for example, my students that are doing the actual application process, they're 11th graders. We already started in January and kind of breaking it into small pieces. Mm -hmm. um, my yeah. viewpoint is I like to get it done before senior year even starts. Everything is complete with my students by end of August and they walk into senior year relaxed and they've applied early decision, early action, some regular, but they have it all done. Essays come out August 1st. You can get this done before. Our team actually has most of the essay prompts ahead of time. Actually, tomorrow night, I'm leading a call on how to build your essay document. So again, I'm a systems operator type. I like to build things into tiny pieces. And if you break things into small pieces each month with students and parents, they're like, oh my gosh, this was so easy. Um, Neha, you, you are speaking my love language. I know. I, I know love, love me some systems, small right? little pieces. <laughs> totally. Tiny pieces. <laughs> and then it's super easy because what happens is, and I see it every year, and I told myself this year, I'm not taking on the last minute clients that come through in November, December that are like, my kid just kept saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The deadline's in two weeks. Neha, what can you do? And I'm like, I don't perform miracles. <laughs> just don't, you know, it's very, it takes a lot. You know, the application process, a lot of parents don't even know how many essays can exist on a 15 school list. There's 20 to 40 essays. It's a 20 page Google document 
that we are handcrafting each essay can't be done in two weeks. It can, it just won't be very good, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm all about figuring out, you know, what you want to do, how you want to write about it. And um, that takes time. So my belief is 9th, 10th, 11th is when you start to build the profile and 11th is where you do the packaging. Okay, we're going to pause here for just a moment, and then I'm going to bring you into part two of this episode. So in part two, we're going to talk about where the weight should be based on SATs and essays and extracurricular and GPA, or should there be? We're also going to talk about how we help our kids to not let all the stress of it become too much. And honestly, that's the same for us as parents as well. And then I love the final turn this is going to take, where we really talk about helping them find what they love and how the traditional way of doing it just doesn't work anymore. So jump in with me to part two next. <laughs> 